whether you are an entrenched starter or a long shot to make the roster at all, that comes with whatever challenges it comes with. And it's always good to keep that kind of thing in perspective. Everybody's got their own way of doing that. Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast. You like it on three, one, two, three, you like it! You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast. I'm your host, LeBron, and let's find some joy today. This podcast is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you can find this show wherever you find your favorite podcast, whether it is a any one of a number of podcasting apps, including SiriusXM, even YouTube or Amazon Fire and Roku. Just download the Locked On Minnesota Sports app there. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Today is going to be, or this whole week, is going to be a little weird, especially if any news breaks. I am recording this uh, very long beforehand because I am out of town this week, so I will not be able to cover any breaking news as it comes up. Um... So if there's anything you're waiting to hear about, we'll do a big old catch-up thing on Monday. If anything major does break any big extensions or anything like that, you'll just have to wait. Uh, but for today, we'll continue with the Everyman series here on the Locked On Vikings podcast, a series of backstories and human interest pieces, I guess, on every man on the 90-man roster, or at least as many of them as I can get to, because I think I'm going to run out of time. Today on the show is going to be Byron Murphy. Uh, Sam Schluter, the Gophers offensive lineman that got signed fairly recently, and William Quinku, who uh, actually ended up on the active roster a little bit last year, um, an undrafted free agent last year. And there is a sort of tie-in theme with all three of these guys, and that is the idea of perspective. It's good to keep things in perspective, not get too crazed about, you know, your own problems because somebody else's problems might be worse or maybe somebody else's problems might be, you know, a totally different thing, right? Something different to, to think about. And, and it's funny how perspective works as a way of sort of connecting two people that might not have anything else in common. But hey, we've all got our own things to complain about, right? Um, as for Byron Murphy, his came and went. Uh, he had a ball in his hands since about the time he learned how to walk. He was always an athlete, a football, basketball, soccer ball, whatever it is. Um, and he was an incredibly well-regarded athlete in uh, high school and even middle school. Football and basketball were his main sports. Of course, obviously, football was the one that he was uh, the most dedicated to. Uh, and he grew up around like the Scottsdale area, I think it was, without a dad in his life very often. Um, his dad was in prison for most of his childhood. And that can make things pretty difficult to keep things in perspective, especially as a teenager. There can be some woe is me, but he kept things in perspective. It kept him grounded via two things, I guess. The big, a big one is his faith, if, you, if you'd ask him. Um, faith in God and the comforts of worship bring him a lot of comfort through the hardest times of that. That's really instilled in him by his mom as well. Um, but also his relationship to his cousins. He has two cousins who have a rare form of dwarfism called, and I'm sorry if I botched this, Morcuio syndrome. Um, and they have challenges that Byron Murphy, who's really, I mean, his body will always be able to do whatever he asks it to do, right? 
uh, as an athlete, a particularly talented one, he, he can do, ask his body to do more than most people can ask uh, their bodies to do. It keeps him very grounded to be close to his cousins. And they are, I mean, tight from the get-go, from before any of them can remember. Uh, they are truly like a, a dastardly little trio of troublemakers. Um, and they strengthen each other now in, in faith as well as in life. There is a moment, I think it's in college, in the Washington Huskies locker room, he goes to Washington, where he gets to go play at a bowl game, I think it's a Fiesta Bowl, uh, which will be held in Glendale, the Cardinals Stadium. And he's struggling. <laughs> he's like walking around the locker room. He's stopping everybody saying, does anybody have a way, a line on me to be able to get tickets to this game for my cousins? Like that is the most important two people. Those are the most important two people for him uh, to to come watch the game. And, and that support system in his family, untraditional as it may be, and I use that word very, very loosely because it's not that crazy, um, is a really important part of his journey, especially through college. Um, because he, he ends up going to Washington play for the Huskies, right? It's pretty far away from home and, or, you know, far enough away where you can't drive home on the weekends. Right. And that's hard enough being away from mom, being away from cousins. Uh, but then before he even steps on the field for his first practice, he gets a call. He's going to be a dad. Uh, and, you know, mom's back in, baby mom is back in Scottsdale area. That makes things very, very hard. And it's not too late to say, hey, I'm not doing this, you know, I'm going to go back, I'm going to be, be a dad, now I got to be near them. And he's talking to his mother about it. And his mom says, no, 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 you made a choice. You made a choice to go do this Washington thing. You know, we have a big family, we can help you out with the kid. Go do your thing. Go play football. And, you know, you can reunite and you, you can you know, create something for that child that is going to, you know, take them beyond just the presence for the first couple of years. You got this. You have our support. Um, and it, it, he, he will end up staying, of course, at Washington and doing it. But it gives the whole thing this weird feel to it, this purgatory kind of this like suspended in midair. I'm here, but I'm not really here. My heart's always going to be back home where my kid is, you know, where my family is. Um, and, he, and he feels very pulled to be back home with his son. He goes back and visits whenever he can. Uh, but it just, it never quite feels right being that far away. Um, so after the 2018 season, he will declare. Uh, and that is kind of surprisingly hurried. So 2016 is his first year in um in Washington and he's going to redshirt mostly because as a cornerback they had Sidney Jones, Kevin King and Buda Baker on that uh 2016 Washington Huskies defense you might remember it. Um I want to say Jake Browning was the quarterback. Um but that is a group you're not going to crack as a freshman. So he will redshirt and then 2017 all those guys go into the NFL so he actually gets a sh gets a shot but halfway through the season uh during a day of practice, he sustains a foot injury that will end his 2017 season. So he only, going into that 2018 year, he had like seven games to his name. Um, but in that 2018 season, he explodes. And he has this really, really, really great season. Draft stock is at an all-time high. And he has the opportunity to finish college, get into the NFL, 
and, you know, possibly find a place where he can set up and, and reunite, be with his kid. Um, I don't think you, you necessarily think this far ahead, but it probably didn't hurt that the Arizona Cardinals were interested in him and needed a corner that year. <laughs> And they were really interested in him once the pre-draft process started and everything. They had all kinds of visits and, and communication and all this stuff. He knew the Cardinals were like a team that would take him. Um, he falls all the way out of the first round. Byron Murphy like could have been a first round. He was one of those guys that like probably was thinking maybe I get called at the end of the day, and if not, I'm a round two guy. So he doesn't get called the first day. From what it seems like, he's not all that disappointed. He's just waiting for his opportunity, whatever. Um, and they sit down, he's got a whole family, um, you know, after, uh, he declares for the draft, he goes back to Arizona. So he does all his working out in Arizona. Uh, so he's, he's with his kid, whole family is there and the draft video, you know, those videos everybody always releases when they've got the big draft party and stuff. And I, th I think this is even on TV, um, is, unbelievably powerful um look he kind of he says he had a feeling he knew he was going to be a cardinal now you don't have any control over this right um he could have ended up in florida like who knows but he kind of felt like he knew look cardinals need a corner um cardinals are up at pick 33 they were super super interested in me and he's like i had a feeling um but that doesn't take away the gravity of the moment after the hardship of having to be away from the support system that has been such an integral part of your identity for three years. Uh, learning that you get to spend your NFL career in the same city, or I guess the same state, is, I mean, it breaks it. It is so, I mean, it breaks him. Um, if you watch that video, his, his head immediately into his hands. And there was even, I saw like in the, the, when I was trying to find that and I saw like some of the comments and, and discussion around it where like people thinking he was upset to be an Arizona Cardinal, uh, which is really funny. I mean, do a Google. But no, he gets to stay by his kid and by his family. He doesn't have to uproot everything. And he gets to spend all of his time at Arizona. Pick 33. Didn't even have to wait. He was the first pick of the second round. That's it. Day's over and now we celebrate. He gets to play with Patrick Peterson, who he watched growing up a bit of a theme for Vikings corners. And I'm, I'm sure cornerbacks everywhere grew up watching Patrick Peterson. Um, and at the Arizona Cardinals, he slowly evolves into this leadership role as Patrick Peterson kind of relegates it. If you remember, Patrick Peterson had these couple of years, the last couple of years in Arizona, it was kind of messy and there was all this other stuff. And in terms of that, that stable locker room presence, um, Byron Murphy sort of takes up the mantle, especially after Patrick Peterson, legit leaves comes to the Vikings in 21 and 22 Byron Murphy takes up that role uh, in his third and fourth year with the Cardinals. Of course, for whatever reason, for various reasons, things don't work out in Arizona, but now here he is uh, the first time away from home since leaving, since uh, getting drafted by the Cardinals. But Hey, look, now he's put up a little bit of a nest egg and he can kind of control where his family is and stuff. Um, a little bit different than going off to college and just having to be away from it. So, uh, hopefully a little bit less anguish in that regard for Byron Murphy. But through all of that, 
there's times when things are really, really, really hard. He's got his cousins to keep things grounded. And he's so grateful for that and how they strengthen each other in faith and the relationship that they have. It's very sweet. I, I really recommend you go find some of the articles. I'll, I'll link them in the show notes if I remember the, some of the stuff that I uh, used to research this piece. But we do have two other players to talk about today in Sam Schluter and uh, William Gwenku. So we'll get to that right after. I talked to you about America's number one sports book. It's FanDuel. FanDuel is America's number one sports book for a reason. And that reason is uh, highly rooted, I guess, in the No Sweat First Bet. See, when you sign up as a new customer for FanDuel at fanduel.com slash locked on, you can claim a No Sweat First Bet up to $1,000. That means that if you go get place your first bet, whether it's a bet on baseball, uh, it can be a futures bet or... Um, it can be, you know, futures on where this NBA player will land or something like that. How many wins will the Lions get? That kind of thing. Who wins the NFC East? All those questions. Vikings over unders eight and a half. Last I checked, um, eight and a half wins. So do you think they'll get a winning record or not? Right. You can bet on that. Whatever it is, if you whiff on it, you can get up to a thousand dollars back in bonus bets. No sweat. No questions asked. That is why it is the no sweat first bet. So go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. Their app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Uh, and they pay out instantly when they win. Get that no sweat first bet at FanDuel.com slash locked on for up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Thank you all so much for listening to these deep summer episodes of the Locked on Vikings podcast. My hashtag everydayers, I appreciate you guys quite a bit. Sound off if you can. Um, I want to take this back home now to Minnesota, in particular Mayer, Minnesota, which is an absolutely tiny little town with a tiny little high school called Mayer Lutheran, but a little bit west of Waconia, like looks like it's about 10, 20 minutes west of Minneapolis. Very much a metro area suburb. Uh, and Mayer Lutheran is a tiny, tiny, tiny little school. Um, 200 kids. And in it, there's a kid named Sam Schluter, who is a freshman who will play on varsity. Now, it's unclear just how competitive this football program is, but a freshman making it to the varsity team is nonetheless a bit of a sign that maybe there's more to this than just an after-school activity. And that's always the moment, right, that happens where, you know, players realize, hey, wait a minute, might have something here. Um, but he had to go out of his way to get noticed playing offensive line there at uh, mayor Lutheran. You're not going to get, nobody's recruiting the 200 person schools <laughs> outside, just outside of Minneapolis. Um, so he had to really go out of his way to get noticed. Uh, lots of kids will get recruited, um, by accident, by going to some football camp, some, uh, thing, you know, I mean, a lot of like Vikings players will put CJ ham just had one. Alexander Madison just had one. You go to that and then maybe there's a scout there that notices you and it's kind of accidental, but for Sam Schluter, there's some elbow grease to it. There is some, Hey, I know I am good. I just got to go get seen. And sure enough, he will get seen by some of the, the local programs. Um, and in particular the hometown Minnesota Gophers, so he signs his letter of intent, but it is a very weird time to be joining the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Uh, this is right at the end of the Jerry Kill era. So I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm sure most of you know what I'm talking about here. Um, but Jerry Kill that year abruptly retired uh, in the middle of, of what would be Sam Schluter's recruiting process. So being recruited by Jerry Kill, but then there's like a new guy before you even sign your letter of intent. Um, regardless, he will sign it, but his first year was a redshirt year for uh, uh, Tracy Clays. I didn't know that there was a guy between 
<laughs> uh, PJ Fleck and Jerry Kill. I'm not a, a Gophers fan, so I didn't follow it that close. Um, but his first year where he's using a year of eligibility is the first PJ Fleck year. And as a redshirt freshman with a new coach coming in, I think you kind of buy into it. You know, you, all right, this guy's got the message and he's going to be really strong about his message. He's trying to get all these guys to buy into it. And, you know, you're right at the beginning of your time there. He's right at the beginning of his time there. There's this sort of, I am the next chapter thing that I feel like you would, you would think about, you know? Um, and so the PJ Fleck vibe at the Golden Gophers, a lot of you know what I'm talking about, but you know, this high energy, high positivity kind of thing is what Sam Schluter has throughout his whole time at the Gophers. And he's so grateful for his time at the Gophers. He has a lot of respect, I think, for what that program has has given him. Um, and he calls that kind of that strange, awkward beginning. He says it's adversity. He gets in his 2018, I think it's his redshirt sophomore year, and he's actually starting at right tackle. Has a particularly rough game against Iowa. He gives up three sacks and a half. Uh, and he gets benched for Daniel Falele, who will not relinquish that job for the rest of his time in Minnesota. Um, and Sam Schluter, you know, again, we talk about perspective. It's not failure, it's adversity, right? It's not something I couldn't do. It's something I haven't been able to do yet, which is, you know, start at the college level and be a part of something, you know, some some great group of offensive line, which he will be. If you're a Gophers fan, you know where, where this is headed offensive line-wise. Um, with Falele and John Michael Schmitz and all that. That's the 2019 season. And he will be a left tackle there. He remains left tackle for the, his last three years in college. And that 2019 Gophers year, that's like a pretty special year for the Gophers. Uh, the, the Tyler Johnson, Rashad Bateman, this crazy offensive line. Uh, and the, the, the 2019 Gophers have like, what were they, like 11 and three or something like that? That's really successful season for the Golden Gophers almost getting into the, the Big Ten Finals. It, it's truly that level of success that he'd been hunting ever since he was a kid at this school too small to get seen. And then right when they're ready to run things back, minus Tyler Johnson, I think that was the only major go and Antoine Winfield, right? Those are the only major Gophers that get taken in 2020. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Minus those guys, they're ready to run it back. And then things get unprecedented <laughs> for... The Gophers, it's not, it's like the three and four season. They play seven games. They have a couple of them get canceled. They don't have a full schedule. It's such a weird note. And normally that would have been when Sam Schluter is entering the NFL. Um, he decides it's not the best environment to take the leap in. He, he cites unfinished business when he did, when he announces he's going to go back to, to the Gophers for 2021. And that's what a lot of them always say. Right. But I, 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 I have to think that some of it's strategic as well of, well, well, you know, what does the committee tell you? What do the boards tell you about where you get drafted or not? Right. Well, maybe I can go back for another year and have a breakout year and kind of chase it. So he goes back for 2021 and has a more sensible season declares after that. And, uh, joins the NFL in 2022 ends up being an undrafted free agent with the 49ers, which is kind of a fun stroke of luck uh, because in 2022, the 49ers are going to go to Minnesota and practice at TCO and uh, play the Vikings. So he gets to actually go be home for a little bit for during all of that, uh, do the joint practices and all that. He plays just a little bit in that preseason game, Vikings 49ers. And in it, he will suffer a knee injury that we wouldn't find out about until later um, that would end up putting him on IR. Now, he was a long, 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 long shot to make that roster. 
he was the third left tackle. You're not going to see that guy make the team a lot. Uh, and, and he's in the same spot now with the Vikings. But when you're, you know, the undrafted type, you know, camp body so-and-so, a lot of times you're thinking, maybe I'll get a practice squad slot. That's really what's at stake for you. But knee gets hurt. All those dreams are out the window. Now it's time to rehab, figure it out. He goes on IR and then ends up being like a waived injured, uh, I think, I want to say like the settlement thing. Uh, but regardless, he won't get healthy and and back into the league until December of that year. He has a quick stint with the Jets where he doesn't do much and the Jets don't re-sign him to a futures deal. I think they just needed a warm body. Uh, and that brings us to rookie minicamp, which is a very last chance moment for Sam Schluter. You went undrafted. You didn't make a team. You got hurt. You got picked up by another team that didn't like you enough to even invite you to camp next year. And now you don't even get a camp invite from another team. So you got to go to this rookie minicamp thing. And rookie minicamp, that's not a 90-man roster spot. That is a, you know, maybe they've got a couple of 90-man roster spots to give out to someone, but you're competing against everybody. There's like 60 people there. Some of them are on the team, you know, draft picks, undrafted guys. And you either have to kick one of them off or hope that they've got an extra spot. And the Vikings did. But he does end up making it onto the roster as what I believe will be the third team left tackle. So he has another chance and it's admittedly a bad one. You know, you're the third team tackle. There's already quite a bit of roster pressure in that with O'Neal and Darasaw and Vidarian Lowe, Oli Udo, Blake Brandell. Like that's the group you got to somehow crack into. But if you can find a way on the practice squad and make your practice squad money, the dream stays alive for now. All in all, though, it is a fairly standard journey. Uh, you know, you get recruited, you go to college, you do an undrafted thing, you get to some camps, you see what happens. William Quenku's journey is anything but standard, and I'm excited to tell you about it. That's up next. It is Martin Luther King Day, 1997, is where I want to start this next story, and it is actually the day that Bill Clinton gives his inaugural address for his second term. Uh, he speaks of the future, which is very much on everybody's mind. It's 1997, Y2K is right around the corner. Uh, everybody's thinking about the future, the long-term um, you know, we're in this post-Cold War kind of era in the United States. And because the inauguration is on MLK Day, he also speaks about civil rights in MLK and honors those uh, particular voices that have such an important place in American history. All the way across the Atlantic and closer to the equator is a woman by the name of Martine Etimane. Sorry if I didn't uh, say that right. She's in Cameroon. She's holding her newborn son, 12 days old. And she is particularly enraptured by this speech. She's a real big Bill Clinton fan. In fact, she's named her son William. Um, and she finds all of this particularly inspiration, all this uh, look to the future, this, this bright-eyed kind of looking up and out, forward-thinking mentality that she associates with the United States. Uh, Martine is functionally a single mother. Fr uh, William's dad, Francois Quincu, is not really in the picture. He's a high-ranking military officer, so he's not going to be around quite a bit. And the two are never married. Um, so he wasn't around much. And then when William was 12 years old, he would pass away. That year, Martine decides to pursue the thing everybody pursues when they're trying to come to America, the American dream. He wants a, she wants a better life for her and her son. Um, and so she decides to go do it. It's 2010. She decides to go forward and pursue that, you know, that ever intoxicating American dream. 
but you can't just pick your kid up and go. It's it's different. She actually has to go alone and leave William with some relatives while she goes and works for a couple of years doing African braids and uh, trying to get educated to go to nursing to get a nursing opportunity. Um, and for two years, she saves money doing all of that. And in 2012, she actually is able to send for her son. In the meantime, William Quenku, who this is the plan, right? I'm going to stay here for a couple of years and then I'm going to go to America. He's trying to learn English. Doesn't do great at it. <laughs> He's like, all I knew was good morning, uh, thank you and how are you or, or and I'm doing fine or something like he knows like three or four phrases in English and that's it um but nevertheless he hops on a plane he heads over to the United States to begin his new life and reunite with his mom also if you're keeping track at home these are the years where he goes from 13 to 15 and he explodes in size so he uh he links up with his mom and she's like oh my god you're huge <laughs> like that's the first thing she's like look how big you got but they're so super super happy to reunite there's a lot that goes into that moment a lot of you know late nights hard work uh you know saving money pinching pennies a lot of discomfort that goes into achieving this dream here we are we are now in the united states making a go of it like everybody else um william as a kid played mostly soccer he didn't know anything about American football uh, until I believe is his sophomore year. This is I, he, he played soccer as a freshman. And I think he did track and field. And then sophomore year, a couple of his friends are like, you should go out for football. You are large, sir. <laughs> and he, so he decides to go out for it. And it's like one of the first plays he's playing as a running back and he breaks loose and he runs past everybody, runs into the end zone. But he doesn't know anything about football. He does not realize that the field ends. He just keeps going until he gets to like the end of things. He looks around and everybody looks happy and he's like, okay, I guess I did something right. Like he doesn't even know what a touchdown is, but he scored one. Uh, that is, <laughs> there's your cool claim to fame. The guy who scored his first touchdown before he knew what a touchdown was. He'll, uh, he'll play on the JV team for that first year and become the JV like MVP as he sort of learns the ins and outs of the sport. Um, and as he's like holding up that trophy, he's like, you know what? Maybe there's something to this. Uh, it, meanwhile, near his home in Maryland, he, a new school named St. Charles is going to open up and he's going to, he's in that district. So he gets transferred over there and there with a brand new team, he absolutely explodes, gets all kinds of attention from, from guys in uh, college programs, allegedly ran a 4-4-4 in high school as a linebacker, like totally insane. There's a drill that catches somebody's attention. It's like a pursuit drill where you have like a running back run up the sideline and it's and you practice kind of taking the right angles and he's like, oh my God, can he move? He's just like totally in a different class from all these other high school kids. All in all, it's a happy story. You know, he goes in, he, he, his mom takes him to the United States where he can make a go of it at football. It's this beautiful thing. You put it in a movie. But there's something, I'll, I'll go with gilded about the American dream, something, a veneer to it that maybe is a little fake sometimes because to achieve all of this, there is so much sacrifice that Martine uh, needs to go to. And William Quenku has the most reverence for this. Again, perspective, Right. I get all, all these things, but it's because of her sacrifice and her hard work, and I take inspiration from that. That's his attitude toward this, and especially if he can make it a, a, a real carve a real NFL career out for himself, that's what he's going to pay back, right? That's what he's he gets to pay forward to his mother and, and help them have that kind of dream. 
To achieve this, uh, Martine needs to work nursing shifts 3 p.m. to 11 p.m., which means she never gets to go to a game, like ever. She finally does find the right day, and she gets to make it. And she finds out that all of the other parents have adopted this crazy, talented linebacker kids that speaks like with a French accent. She says that they told her, you know, a child is for everybody, kind of a, and it, a play on it takes a village, right? Like all of these parents, you know, are, are just rooting for their kid's teammate so much. And hey, you know, that's our baby, they all say. <laughs> like that's, he's, he's just ours. He's part of this community and he's ours. And she feels so welcomed by this, you know, that everybody is there for her and that she maybe doesn't have to go it completely alone. I think there's a meaning to that. Um, but anyways, if you see the list of schools that he gets recruited by, Temple's the best one for my money. It's when Matt Rule is still there when he first gets recruited. Uh, and they offer him a scholarship, but it wasn't until all the way in uh, the year of the unprecedented <laughs> that he gets the start at linebacker. And that is a shortened season where he can't work out right, where the facilities aren't open in the times when they usually are. Um, and so he does get a start and he gets his feet wet a little bit, but it's not until 2021 that he really lets loose, as his coach will put it. Um, he gets... He, in 2021, things open back up so he can really go into the weight room and do the work that he wants to do there, use those facilities. Um, and in 2021, as a starter, he actually plays well enough to get the attention of NFL teams. But again, he's not going to be good. He has not done enough. I mean, that's his sixth year in college, 2021. He's in college for a long time. And having only one quality year of starting experience, call it one and a half or whatever 2020 counts for, uh, is not going to get you drafted and it's not going to get you an undrafted contract at all. He's another guy that's got to go to a rookie mini camp. If, if Sam Schluter wants perspective, if he wants uh, to, to look at a possible success story here, it's William Quenku who uh, is a Vikings mini camp standout in particular. Matt Daniels says, you know, this kid's got something, but uh, Ed Donatel also notices him too and says, yeah, we should bring this guy in on the 90 man roster. He will ultimately make the practice squad in 2022. Doesn't make the team, but he he has a pretty good couple of preseason games, if I remember, very active. And he'll make the practice squad, makes the practice squad a lot, does a lot of special team stuff. And by Thanksgiving, the Vikings actually have an opening and will need to activate him. So he actually gets to dress. And by the way, when this happens, all of the linebackers, Eric Kendricks tells the story, all the linebackers are like super, super hyped for him that he actually gets to dress, put on his number 47, get out there and get try to get tackles on special teams. Um, I think he ends up playing like two or three games in 2022, you know, gets his futures contract or whatever, and he gets to come back and try out again. Um, here's the deal. Room's kind of open now. And for William Quenku, this could be his chance. If he makes the team in earnest, you know, that, that second year player minimum is enough money where it can absolutely change his and his mother's life. Um, I mean, it's not millions and millions, right? You're not exactly going to go live in a house in the Hills, but, uh, you know, you're not getting lakefront property on, on Lake Minnetonka. But it's something that can bring a degree of comfort that is more than earned. Uh, and when you you hear these stories of, you know, immigrants coming in and, and making their go of it, the thing you always hear about is just how much elbow grease it takes. That's what's at stake here. The chance to pay all that out, to make it all wrap up in the nice, neat, fairy tale kind of story you would have heard about as a kid. Might not happen. 
Not likely to happen. Quinku is not exactly an odds-on favorite to make the roster, but hey, all you got to do is what? Outplay Troy Die, Troy Reader? It's an open room. And Quinku's got a puncher's chance, which theoretically is all you should need. There's a lot at stake for him, and I'm certainly rooting for him. Um, tomorrow will be a Twitter Tuesday. There might, <laughs> questions might be outdated. I kind of took a, a mailbag from beforehand and then I'll record it, uh, later and uh, get it scheduled for Tuesday. So that'll be a Twitter Tuesday thing. Um, so don't bother getting questions in. I'm out of town. I can't hear them again. I will see you guys next week. Um, with whatever news I miss, I will, we'll do a big catch up session on, uh, like a week from today, a week from Monday. So I'll see you guys all for that, but I hope you guys do stick around while I do a whole bunch of everyman stuff this week as I am out of town on these pre-recorded episodes of the Locked On Vikings podcast. See you next time, and as always, Skull.